Welcome to the Yours is the Story podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Julia. And I'm Jill. This is a storytelling podcast that entertains, encourages, and points you to Jesus. Welcome back to the Yours is the Story podcast. Today we have a name twin actually on the podcast. We have <laughs> two Julias here. We have the one and only Julia Damasio, who is honestly one of God's greatest gifts to earth I will say not only is she just an incredible pastor preacher communicator not only is she absolutely the most gorgeous woman alive but also the best New Yorker but also mama three she is superwoman let me tell you that if you do not know Julia Damasio I'm so excited you get to get to know her today um but yeah Julia and I got to know each other a little bit she lived in Seattle for um for a short stint and it was honestly such a pleasure to get to know her and her family and I have learned so much from her. Julia and I have been listening to her sermons um, with her church, Rose Church, which just started a few years ago, but is absolutely one of the most beautiful churches I've ever been to. So we are so excited to hear the story of that today and just hear more from Julia. Welcome, Julia, to the podcast. <laughs> well, thank you, Julia, and thank you, Jill, for that amazing intro. I would love to care and have you come and intro me everywhere I go. Yeah, no problem. Um, <laughs> I know. Thank you amazing. so much. That was awesome. Uh, Yeah, I remember, Jill, you watching my children when we were on sabbatical at, uh, it was City Church, but Church Home now, and I remember like, hey, like, I don't, I remember asking Pastor Judah Smith, I was like, hey, like, I need to find somebody like I can trust with my kids because I'm a cray-cray, and he was like, oh, yeah, Jill, Jillian Craker, you need her, you need, like, you know, he, like, you know, sung your praises, and I was like, okay, I feel safe, and Andrew's like, oh, my God, yeah, the Craker family, my God, the roots, yeah, it was like, and then I I hear, like, Juice McQuay, Pastor Juice McQuay in my ear, like, oh, man, he loves your family, I love your family, Uh, you both come from such, like, I, I love the roots that I think, that city church was and is and I think it was such it was such a special time for me to meet you Jill and uh and then watch Julia get married to the sweet Sam and then Sam sent your engagement ring to our house when we moved to Oregon to save money on tax so that was a pretty ring and then I don't know if you knew this but he so he got it and then he wasn't happy with it so he literally returned it and then reordered it No way. (laughs) Yeah, and he went through, like, the whole thing of driving down to pick it up and stuff. And then he always says, he's like, one of the diamonds just didn't shine enough. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) my. (laughs) Well, that is a man. Yeah, yeah. You need to have a lot more babies with him then. There there you go. Yeah. (laughs) That's adorable. That's adorable. So sweet. Total pivot. Um, we want to hear about Rose Church and how you yes. started it, and yeah, everything. I know God was so in that story, so we want to, um, yeah, just hear about it today. Yeah. So fresh background, like uh, for me, I was uh, raised kind of like in the Duggar cult. This <laughs> 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 has nothing to do, but it, it, it will all add up. Uh, but I was kind of raised in that till I was fourteen. Then my parents put me in public school all of that. And then I went crazy. Then I actually got saved at a church that was an MFI church. Uh, An MFI, uh, they basically, it was started by Brother Dick, which eventually my father-in-law, which I didn't know at the time, took over. And uh, my church would come out, my pastors would come out every year to uh, Portland, Oregon, to the Minister's Fellowship International 
pastor's network conference. And um, so I got saved at that church and my pastors were like, hey, you just got saved. Like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. I just want to worship God. I want to Maybe I want to be a worship leader. I want to study theology. Like, I just, I know I need to do something in ministry. Like, I am so on fire for God, blah, blah, And so they're like, just go to Portland Bible College. Uh, it's every year we go out there, so we'll see you when we come out for the conference. And it'll just be an amazing opportunity for you. So I go there, and then I meet Andrew. I go to the Bible College, then I meet Andrew, fall in love. We get married. We're youth pastors for about eight years. Um, and we were actually, so our church was, uh, had four satellite campuses. So we were the executive youth pastors over, uh, all four campuses. And then, uh, the main campus that we were at was actually in Vancouver, Washington, which is 20 minutes from Portland, Oregon, just across the river. And, uh, so we had a youth ministry and we loved our time. Um, but then it kind of, uh, you know, our youth ministry was growing, and then we got a really bad call one day um, from my mom, and she said, hey, uh, your dad's been arrested um, for a child child molesting. Oh. And so my dad went to prison that year. I was, I was actually uh, seven months pregnant with my first baby, Cruz. And Cruz, yeah, um, so that was a huge shaking in my family. I'm one of seven kids because, you know, we don't believe in birth control. And my dad came out of a Roman Catholic background anyway. So Roman Catholics, you know, you don't use birth control at all. Um, so, you know, I'm one of seven kids. I'm the second oldest. I'm the oldest girl. Um, so my younger two sisters at this time were, um, I believe, 14 and 12. And then I had a 16-year-old brother as well um, that – they were in the house. Everyone else was either at college or my sister was a flight attendant and whatever. So everyone's kind of spread around the country a bit. And then, but my younger two sisters were like, I mean, my dad's mugshots all over the news and it was their friends that came forward. But because I was homeschooled, like I didn't have sleepovers. I didn't have like friends sleepover and that kind of stuff. So I just remember like looking back and being like, oh my gosh, my little sister's like, all of their friends know what their dad did and all the stuff. So my mom was like, hey, can I give you power of the attorney over your sisters? So we were like, okay. So Andrew, I'm like, at this point, I'm like eight months pregnant. Andrew flies home my, to my house in New York, picks up my sisters and my brother, flies them out um, to uh, Vancouver, Washington. And because we knew all the schools, right, because we're youth pastors, we knew all the high schools, middle schools. Yeah. Um, and so we moved them into our house and we were their mom and dad for about six months. My mom like sold the house, divorced my dad. Um, then my mom ended up moving in with us for a while. So, you know, while this is going on though, um, our, our close friends that are in ministry, the Stricklands who are, they were also close with the Smiths back in the day. They all went to Bible college together. Um, but our close friends, uh, they're, they led a church in, in Portland, Oregon, and they lost their baby. Um, his name was actually Cruz as well. And he had a he had a fight. Um, he, he's needing a liver transplant. Anyway, so he ended up passing away. And then, um, so my father-in-law is doing the funeral because we're close friends uh, with that family. And he's like, oh, my leg hurts. And we're like, your leg hurts? That's weird. And then he was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I need to go to the doctor. So I remember, like, so this is all happening at the same time. So then we end up finding out that my father-in-law 
the pastor of uh, City Bible Church. Uh, you know, you've been pastoring there for 23 years. He has uh, cancer. Uh, he had lymphoma. And so all of this is happening at the same time. Um, so if you can feel it, it's uh, Andrew and I are mom and dad before we want to be mom and dad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> picking up the pieces of my broken family. Um, our best friends just lost their baby, and it was like, we're going to raise our kids together. You know, that dream died. And then Frank, like our our boss, our father, a father figure in the faith for so many people, he gets cancer. And um, so he fights, he battles it out. And then, you know, when, when he came back, you know, uh, during that time, the staff, it was just like the staff didn't know what was happening because they're leaders out of commission. So I would love to say during that time that we were, Andrew and I felt supported, uh, but it was the opposite of that. And it was a painful time for everybody because I, I think for the staff at that church, like it's a machine, right? There's like so many people on staff. It has a high school and elementary school and has a Bible college. And so it's a machine. So, but we never felt like anyone was calling on us, checking on us and all of that type of like neglect. We felt that really strong because I'm like, nobody's going to call me like my dad. I have my daddy issues. Andrew has his daddy issues going on because, you know, he's fighting for his life. But, and we just felt pushed out, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I remember when Andrew's dad actually, you know, he almost died three times. It came back and got healthy. And then it, you know, uh, thank God he came back. And then he just looked at the the demand that ministry was. And he's like, you know what? I need to pass the church on. Yeah. So uh, Frank passed the church on with that announcement. Andrew and I began to like kind of internally look at like, hey, what are we supposed to be here? Like, are we, if we're, if we stay here, do we fit here? We didn't felt, we didn't feel like we, we fit there emotionally, spiritually, physically. It, it almost just felt like just we were grinding against a gear that wasn't supposed to, like we didn't fit. And so we called uh, Pastor Jude Fuquay and Pastor Judah at the time. And we were like, hey, I don't know what we're going to do. We had a couple job offers because uh, people heard that, you know, Frank is going to step down. And so other people were like, hey, take our young adults ministry and you guys should think about moving out here. You know, so we had all these tantalizing things. But Pastor Judah was the only one that was like, uh, what are you guys doing? And we were like, we have no idea. He's like, I know it. I know what you're going to do. You're going to move here. I will hook you up with a place to stay. I'll... I'll, I want you around at all the staff meetings and I want you to go to therapy because you guys don't, I don't think you guys realize what you've just have been through. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so he was our, he was our, uh, our savior in that season. And um, cause we were like, Oh, should we, we should go plant a church. And he, he was like, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Like if you guys <laughs> plant a church in exhaustion and grief and in your pain and, like he's like that's not gonna go well um so that was that was our opportunity that we saw we just felt like the peace of god leading us there um nothing like the other job offers didn't feel right even though like some of them were like back in new york and i was like i I finally get to move andrew back to my home and you know uh, we just did not feel the peace of god and 
I don't know why, I don't know how, but we felt the peace to drop everything. Um, at that time, our youth ministry was booming. Um, and for the West Coast, like, we had, like, oh, like about over 400 students that were coming every Wednesday wow. all together, all of the campuses. I think we had about, like, 800. It doesn't even matter about numbers, but I'm just telling you, like, God's grace was still on our lives, and it's, like, it was still a lot for us to let go because our kids were our world, our, our youth ministry. Like, we do, we do life with our kids, and it was such a beautiful time. Like, our students at our youth ministry, like, saved our lives. Like, I don't... They were the ones that got us out of bed. Obviously, my son helped in that season, too. But during that time of crazy, like, transitioning, I also had another baby, uh, Quinn, our daughter, who's eight. And, you know, so we're just, like, all over the place. It was a crazy time of life. And so we moved to Seattle. We were there for about, I don't know, maybe about a year. So, Jill, every time I saw you, uh, you would watch Quinn and my and Cruz for me like while we're in and out of therapy sessions and I just remember being like like just I'd be like I didn't realize like how unhealthy I was and how much pain was happening in my life you know even before my dad went to prison like I I didn't understand the the toll of the grief that I had to grieve and I felt like Seattle no one knew Andrew and I no one cared who we were no one knew like our youth ministry and we had a we had a youth conference of like 6,000 people, you know, nobody knew who we were. Nobody cared who we were. Mm -hmm. uh, we were just like these little, little kids that were like, save us, someone save us. And it was the first time that we felt at home um, at church. And it was just a beautiful time. And we really healed towards the end of that healing and therapy, a lot of therapy. Uh, we just, Every time we would go home and visit, you know, Andrew's dad and my mom was out here, we just felt like all of our friends that, you know, we left behind, they're like, well, we're not going to church anymore. And this, there's just, it's not the same anymore since you guys left. And, and we, we, we start going to areas of Portland and we're like, oh man, like we need a church here, like that, that we could like fit into. Like there's not a church that, that, you know, is kind of like who we are. And then we, and Andrew, right, even before we moved to Seattle, Andrew's like, I know for one thing, I'm never planning a church. And I remember looking at him before we went to Seattle. And I was like, if you freaking say that, then that means God's going to make us do that. <laughs> and lo and behold, the Lord like really does laugh at our plans because we began to feel the tug on our heart. Like, you need to start something in Portland. You need to start something in Portland. Like I just felt every time we were on the ground, like literally I'd be walking through the neighborhoods, like grabbing coffee and uh, with old friends on a visit. And I remember, I just remember feeling the Lord say, come back, come back. And I'm like, no, I don't want it. I had an opportunity to go home to my people. There's Italians yeah. in New York. Like my food, my favorite dallies, paper thin meat. My God, paper thin. They don't know what you. They don't know what to do when you ask for paper thin meat out here. I don't know. Anyway, so I, I just remember, I just remember feeling that peace again, and I'm like, dang it, we're gonna do this. We told Pastor Juden, Pastor Chelsea, and they were like, nope, we agree. You got to go back. And they sent us. They prayed for us. They sent us with money. They paid for our first two years of salary. They were so generous. Without Pastor Judah and Chelsea in that season, we would have 
we would have never made it. Pastor Jufu Quay is one of our elders, and Pastor Dave uh, Patterson uh, from Father's House literally took us under his arm, saved us, and um, we just began to to walk by faith. And that was the craziest time of my life. Like I'm like, wow, I'm actually again like by faith, just following that peace. And now we're six years uh, of a church. Uh, we're at three services. We're about to go to a fifth service, starting no a night service. Oh my yeah. goodness! Our our 10:30 is overflowing, and so it's the move of the hand of God is on our church, and I and I feel like we're just trying to be good stewards of what He's doing. But it's it's not by it's really not by us, and I feel like that's why it's so important to live by faith because. Uh, when you do something in your own abilities, like you can take credit for it. But like, I genuinely can't even take credit for starting Rose Church. Like I was just obedient and obedience will bring blessing on your life. And it doesn't mean you're not going to have pain. doesn't mean you're not going to have hard days. We've had the hardest days being pastors. Uh, I mean, I think of like Paul and, uh, Barnabas and I think of like all of these people in the New Testament that were literally in the dead center of God's will experiencing the most pain like all of the disciples that were martyrs but they were in God's will they didn't you know like and I feel like uh, so the hard days the painful times of ministry um, are worth it if you're obeying him and it you know Jesus even says it if you uh, if you love me you're gonna obey me yeah. And so that's honestly all I can accredit our church, our church's growth. And I don't even know if that's a good thing. I don't, I was trying to be obedient and just trying to love Jesus. And hopefully the the Lord will be pleased with what we're building for him, what he's building in our city. And uh, that's what we're just trying to do, you know? So, so beautiful, you guys. I, I mean, I love that you're like, we're just trying to be obedient to God and he's opening the doors and he's building his, yep. and his church through that. Um, can you tell me more about, was it like a gentle tugging? Cause I knew you said, Andrew was like, we're not starting a church. <laughs> and you're like, hold on. <laughs> and, you're like, and then, yeah. And then now here you are years later. So um, yeah. Can you tell me more? Was it like very clear? Like, okay, now is the time. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So I think, I think um, because we were, in ministry for so long, like we, like a lot of our youth leaders and um, a lot of our team that we served with at our old, you know, as youth pastors, they were kind of like roaming, wandering. And uh, like, I, I thought like, you know, if once we left, like, um, like not that our relationships would stop being friends, but like I thought my pastoral care, like, oh, I'm not really your pastor anymore or I'm not like a lead youth pastor or whatever. I just thought like that would, that responsibility would leave Andrew and I. (laughs) But unfortunately, like we're supposed to be like sabbaticaling. We're supposed to be caring for our own selves. But I would find myself in prayer or in moments and I'm like calling these people and I'm like, hey, how are you doing? And so it was like, yes, the tug of God and Andrew would have some, you know, moments where he's like, Julia, like, I think we're going back. And I'm like, no, like, I don't, I don't want to do that because I didn't want to cause, you know, problems here 
in Portland because I, you know, the church that we came from, like, I didn't want them to think like, oh, we're here trying to take all your people. I was like, I don't want your people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want that. Like, we want our own people. And by the way, Portland is like 2.5 million people. Okay, it's smaller than Seattle, but like, okay, what is it? It's not like a flex to say, oh, I have 2,000 people that go to my church. That's not a flex. Like, there's yeah. 2 million people <laughs> that are not saved. Like, I hate when churches are like, oh, we have like 7,000 people. Cool. Like, your metro is like millions. So, like, <laughs> I had all these fears of like, if we move back, it's going to cause all this drama. I don't want to do that. And it was like so much fear of men because I'm like, what if, what if there wasn't drama? Like, what if there wasn't? Like, what if you had full support? Would you do it? And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I would because I feel like it's not even Andrew and I. Like, I'm like, I feel like we have to do this. Um, my God, and it was, it was, it was such a, yeah, it was such, so random. Um, but I remember we were walking through a, I don't know, it was just downtown Portland. And I remember we got coffee and I remember looking down and at the, the manholes on the ground, they all have roses on them. Mm-hmm. And Portland is called the city of roses. And I, I remember like having not a vision, but a, just a moment with God. And I remember being like, what if this city was like mine? Like what if Ro- the Rose City was mine? And I just remember like seeing like all these people like represented. Like I like uh, Tupac's little poem, like the rose that grew from concrete. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what the name we could call it, like Rose Church. Thanks for listening to the Yours is a Story podcast. We really want to hear stories from you. You can email us at yoursthestory at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram. We'll see you next time.